And welcome everybody to Off of the Helmets, created by DSP Media Productions and now part of Fanstream. I'm Brady Tinker. Good afternoon. Good week to you. It's the holiday season. I'm entrenched in all of this. I'm buying gifts. I hope you are as well. Planning Christmas Eve dinner, planning Christmas dinner, trying to figure out where to go to church. There's so much going on, but it's all good. And the other good thing is I cover the Dallas Cowboys for a living. They are 10 and 3. I'm not going to critique the win last weekend. There's a new Pro Bowl wide receiver in town, and no, it's not Odell Beckham Jr. The offensive line gets better, and then it gets worse. And the 10-3 Cowboys will now travel to Jacksonville on Sunday, which would be a trap game, except for the Cowboys experienced their trap game last week, so they most certainly will be ready. And by the way, they escaped, and they won 27-23. So now it's time for Cowboys talk right here on Off of the Helmets, courtesy of DSP Media and Fanstream. So welcome in to Off of the Helmets. You know, the only bad thing really that I have to tell you about a 27-23 win over Houston was that an injury occurred to the starting right tackle of the Dallas Cowboys. No matter how much value you had for Terrence Steele or not, the great news was in the last year and a half of playing football for the Cowboys, not very often did we say Terrence Steele anything. Penalty, holding, totally, totally blew an assignment. The quarterback got killed because of Terrence Steele. None of those things happen. So he doesn't grade out in a lot of the metrics that you may now be into as fantastic. But the truth is, he's been very good. This is an offensive line that's played together with essentially the same unit for 95% of its plays this year. And if you ask any offensive lineman, they will say, this thing we do while we are huge and strong is a dance. We have to know where each other's ass is and feet are and which angles we are taking to attack or to pull back and pass block. It's all really important. So Terrence Steele and the loss of him for the rest of this season is unfortunate for that young man because he's probably due a contract and this may push the Cowboys back as far as wanting to extend him and give him two or three or four more years. I feel terribly for him about that. Also terribly for him that he's been a big part of an amazing season to this point that's going to end in the playoffs or get to the playoffs, and he won't be a part of it. Terrence Steele, if you ask any of the offensive linemen, is a consummate pro, is one hard-ass son of a bitch, and knows how to play the right tackle position. And we all thought this offensive line was going to be crap when Tyron Smith wasn't playing, and then it wasn't going to matter when Dak Prescott wasn't playing. So let's do a little bit on Dak Prescott in the last seven games, and we'll sort of assess this Cowboys team for that, because this is the reason that I think that you should be excited, put aside a 10-3 and record at this point. In the last four games, well, in the game on Sunday, Dak Prescott threw for 284 yards and a touchdown and two interceptions. And you really noticed the two interceptions and you quickly were made aware that it's eight interceptions in the last eight games. And that's too many. But last week's game also came with six carries for 23 yards. The other thing that happened is his first drive, he set a tone and he was beautiful. In the rest, he was kind of crappy until the very end when a Cowboys defensive stand set him up to need to go 98 yards for a victory. And you have to admit, it was an impressive drive. And there were three throws by Dak Prescott in that drive that we haven't really seen the likes of in the last two or three years. They were phenomenal, confident, on-time, let-it-fly throws. Now, that attitude is what's leading to some of these interceptions, and we'll get to that, but that is the attitude you want from Dak Prescott. Remember, there are four games left to fine-tune this thing. If you look at the teams that win, we'll start with Brady's and Belichick's Patriots for the last 15 years, and the Ravens, and the Steelers, and the Chiefs, and the Packers, and whatever other teams that we all sit at home and say, damn, wish we were consistent like them. 
Well, the bottom line is you're getting there. And one of the things that those teams always did was in the last four or five games of the season, they began to run downhill. They began to have no issues with dropped coverages. They began to have very few issues with offensive line, false starts and penalties. Things got cleaner. Things got more cohesive. Uh, If you can get bodies to heal and you can get people some time off, then this is the time when good teams really get going. They crank it up as they head down the last four game stretch. They get to the playoffs and they have momentum. In the NFL, as you head towards the playoffs, momentum is everything. So you're really wishing for health, victories, but victories that come also with an amount of momentum. McCarthy is the right guy. Quinn is the right guy. I don't know really if Kellen Moore is the right guy or not. Sometimes when we wonder about 39 throws last week and 25 runs, while that's an oversimplification, doesn't seem quite right, especially against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. But push that aside. We want Dak Prescott to be aggressive. And you know, if you've been watching this show, if you've been watching the posts that I put at Off of the Helmets from the Star all the time, I've said the same thing for seven weeks. Dak is going to have to be more aggressive because you're going to get into games against San Francisco, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Philly in the playoffs where you're going to have to score points. Something may go wrong. Somebody takes one of the house early and it's seven to nothing Minnesota. And then Jefferson gets loose and it's 14 to nothing Minnesota. And you haven't really done anything wrong. You've done two things wrong and you're behind by 14 points. Now it's a game where you probably are going to need to get to 30. And all of the other teams in the playoffs, all of them, except for maybe Baltimore, are going to have the ability to get to 30 when they need to. If they don't, they won't win. So aggressive Dak I want, cocky Dak I want, healthy Dak I want, and so do you. I think the health thing is finally, finally, in the last four or five games, out of the way. Dak Prescott isn't looking to me like a guy who's worried about his uh, surgically repaired multiple times leg, nor his hand, nor anything else. He's playing football. He's playing heads up, tough football. He's looking down the football field. He's doing some things wrong, but he's doing a lot of things right. We need healthy, cocky Dak. Now, Jerry Jones said the other day, listen, aggressive Dak doesn't have to come with interceptions. And that's true. Eight interceptions in the last eight games. But I'm telling you, it hasn't killed us because we won six of our last seven. And it is what you want. And these last four games will continue this progression. Remember, when San Francisco, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Philly begin to put some offense on you and begin to run on you, and that's not because this defense isn't good, it is. But when that happens, then it's going to set up Debo Samuel in San Francisco, Jefferson in Minnesota, Evans and others in Tampa Bay, and A.J. Brown in Philadelphia. And you're going to have to be able to overcome that. And some of it is not just going to be adjustments on the defensive end by Dan Quinn and company. Some of it is going to be offensive adjustments to score more points in certain games by the Cowboys. So for the last seven games, Tony Pollard is averaging 86 yards a game at 5.9 yards of per carry, and he has seven touchdowns. That's in seven games. He also has 30 yards in catches and three more touchdowns. That's 10 touchdowns in his last seven games. That's what you wanted to see. And that's not just Tony Pollard. That's Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore combining on the offense. And finally, finally, getting the most dynamic football player on the field for the Dallas Cowboys offensively, much more involved. Zeke Elliott's been a rock. It's odd and fun for me to watch because when Zeke got here, those first three or four years, he was jumping over people. And when he saw a hole, he went 35 yards or 50 yards. That Zeke is gone. But this Zeke is still pretty damn good at 4.2 yard, yards per carry, nine touchdowns. He's now really become one of the dads of the group. He and, he and uh, 
stack together are, are shepherding this thing. When Zeke needs to pick up a block or make a block, he doesn't just make a block. He knocks people in the ass. Doesn't it remind you of Emmett Smith in the old days? No matter what, Emmett Smith would step into that hole to protect number eight and put a hit on whoever was blitzing. You're getting the same thing from Zeke. You're getting greatness in the red zone from Zeke, whether he's fast or not anymore. His feet are still dynamic, and his feet and his eyes together are getting him through holes. I mean... It's a huge touchdown to win the game the other day. And then the running game isn't finished there because if someone needs a few plays off or something happens where we lose one of the guys for a game, Malik Davis, you have to admit, when he comes in, runs really hard. 23 carries, 4.5 yards a carry. He's got a touchdown. And I'm not saying I want to see Malik Davis in the game, but I am saying the progression of Malik Davis to add depth to a running back core that is tantamount to the success of this team is great news. Great news. I'm thrilled about Malik Davis, and you should be too. C.D. Lamb in the last seven games, 79 yards per game, four touchdowns, six rushes for 34 yards, more of those, please. And a more mature, steady, I'm the man, and I now know why we're 88 look from C.D. Lamb. And that is why we were all able to take a breath when Odell Beckham Jr. did not come here and the Cowboys chose not to sign him. Nobody else signed him either, by the way, so we'll talk about that. C.D. Lamb has given us the ability to breathe a little bit that we have a one that is beginning to understand and get comfortable what it is to be the one for the Dallas Cowboys, to be the one who's in the right spot for number four. It's all really important. And I wasn't sure I was going to see it this year. I was hard on him early in the season. He's been so much better. He's leading them. Dalton Schultz played through an ACL sprain and injury that you could tell was killing him for about three games. All of a sudden, he's passed it. It's been miraculous. He's averaging five catches a game in the last seven games. He has all three of his touchdowns in the last seven games. And as always, Dalton Schultz has a catch rate of over 80%. When Dak throws it to Schultz, you can say whatever you want. Shorter routes, easy to do, whatever. It's extraordinarily important, just like it was when when um, Troy was throwing it to Novacek. It was important, really important at the beginnings of drive to get first downs. Ultimately, the whatever you want to call him, the pacifier, the binky, whatever whatever Schultz is and whatever Novacek was, ask Troy Aikman if it mattered. Ask the Cowboys if it mattered. It matters tremendously. So Schultz being back, being healthy, and being who he is and being great in the red zone is fantastic. Michael Gallup, I didn't put any statistics in here. But you can watch in the last three games that now cuts for Michael Gallup, his ability to go up and high point footballs, his ability in 50-50 situations is getting better and better and better. His speed is coming back. So then the Cowboys let James Washington play last week. And I will tell you, frankly, they were not very happy with what they saw. James Washington is at 5'10 and a half, 5'11, 215, 220, a very physical wide receiver who in practice the last two weeks was really impressing Mike McCarthy. In the game, one ball thrown his way, most feel like it was a drop. And then in a couple of blocking situations, he was in the wrong place or didn't get the right angles and didn't do a very good job. It was part of what the, what caused the Cowboys to say, you know what? Let's go ahead and pull the trigger on T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton played 10 years, parts of, most of, 10 years for the Indianapolis Colts with some good quarterbacks and then some bad quarterbacks. He was a four-time Pro Bowler. He's had five 1,000-yard seasons, and he is the consummate professional. He will come here and not make any waves, not ask for any fanfare, not demand a certain number of throws. And my guess would be between now and the end of the season, it's two catches a game for 17 yards. But the truth is they might be important catches. He's wonderful against the zone and he can still get away in man coverage. But against the zone, he is old school. 
at finding the place to settle in, turning around and getting his numbers facing that quarterback. It will be important a couple of times a game for Dak Prescott, and who knows? I don't really know how fast he was anymore. He was a 4-3-5 guy when he came out, uh, but it's 10 years. It's a lot of hits on what is a little bitty body. It's roughly 5-10. I don't know. They're going to tell you 180, but that ain't true. Uh, He's not big. He's quick, and he's a veteran, and he knows what to do. And this did not happen overnight. Mike McCarthy was quick to point that out to us. You think we just called him and signed him because he was out there as a free agent and he has some experience. Not true. We have been talking to him and to his personnel for a while. They've been sending us videos. We've seen him work out. He came here and worked out for us, something that Odell Beckham Jr. was not willing to do. So this TY thing didn't just happen like that. It happened because the playoffs are almost here. It's time to get him in here so he understands the system and the quarterback. And by the way, the reports are in the first couple of days that he's been here, T.Y., he's 10 hours a day or more at the star because he wants to completely understand not only the offense, but how Dak sees it and how Kellen Moore likes to call it and how Mike McCarthy, the head coach, prefers things to work. That's a veteran leader. That's a guy who will come in and who understands everything about this game. He's played in playoff games. He's played in big games. He was and maybe still is a big-time football player. So I'm not saying this is huge. I'm saying this is depth for a good football team that has four games left in the regular season that's positioning itself to still have a chance for, I don't know, the number one seed. Why not? I ain't giving up on that. And by the way, uh, T.Y. Hilton owns a 67% rate of catches that are first downs in his career. 67% of the time T.Y. catches the ball, it's a first down. Pretty good. So I told you I'm not going to, and I'm not recapping the Houston win. Not going to do it. You guys have been doing that since the middle of the game on Sunday and all this week. And damn this and damn that. And if you're not any good, you're not going to beat this team. And then look at the Eagles who trounce the Giants and how far ahead they are. All of that is nonsense. The truth is it ends up being a 27-23 a win. The truth is it is win number two. The other truth is you have the second best record in all of the NFL at 10-3. and three. Dak was bad except for the first drive, which is very important to get you off to a good start, and the last drive, which was 98 yards to win the game, and that was the most important thing. And I mentioned three throws in that drive for me were, whoa, whoa. If he's got that in him at the right time, come the playoffs, This team is really going to be something. And Bill Parcells said to me a couple of times, you know, I can yell and I can rant and I can truly teach after a close win. It's much tougher after a close loss. So the point being, the defense had zero sacks, had two quarterback hits, had two pressures. The offense did manage a couple of turnovers. And the truth is they managed three. Because in holding on third and fourth down in front of their own goal line, where the game was going to be won by Houston in the last three minutes, the Cowboys generated another turnover on downs at fourth down. So I give them three turnovers. This is still a top five defense. And the good news is I had it wrong. I really thought you and I have such a hatred for everything Houston that the Cowboys would really be ready. They'd look to go 50 points deep. They'd look to get people out of the game early. They'd look to get off to a great start. And to be honest with you, It might have been part of the issues early in the game. They might have been a little bit too amped up, including the offensive coordinator. Uh, They might have been a little too amped up in, well, we can run it, but what the hell, let's go mouth firing and start throwing it and get ahead. And based on the first drive, everything was good. And then it wasn't. 
But this is still a top, top five defense. Now you know that they are re-motivated. They are embarrassed at what they saw in film. You know they are. So the only bad news I have for you on the defense is that Jonathan Hankins, the defensive tackle, was diagnosed today or yesterday with a pectoral tear, something most of us will never have because we don't really have giant pectorals. But when you stand in the locker room with these 300-pound men who lift weights for a living, they have pectoral issues. It is a pectoral tear, supposedly not necessarily done for the year, but certainly done for the last four games of the regular season. A big deal. Jonathan Hankins came over from Oakland, what, five games ago? And it was sort of an afterthought because all we really cared about was, is Odell coming or are you trading for another wide receiver? That's what we cared about. But Jonathan Hankins has been exceptional playing in the middle for this football team coming over from Oakland. This is a big deal. What did the Cowboys do? Well, there's not much you can do, right? There aren't Odell Beckhams at every position available in December and January as the season comes to an end. They're not. So they acquired a young man named Anthony Rush, who was an undrafted free agent in 2019, went to UAB, has been on two or three different teams, practice squad, excuse me if I don't have all the details, but he's 6'5", 350 is what he's listed, probably closer to 370 or 380. He's a massive man. Will he play? I don't know. But they're going to get him ready. And what they're going to get him ready for is the last game of the season and the playoffs, and and we'll see. So he's a practice squad guy. Who does it fall to then besides the starters? Well, Oseo Digizu has been very good this year. Carlos Watkins has been unexpectedly good in the middle. Uh, Those things have solidified in the last couple of weeks because a lot of the run issues we were having stopping running backs – came because of things that looked like stunts that weren't stunts, and they were sort of making shit up as they went along in the middle. Uh, they all called each other out in the film room, and they've sort of cinched that up. But Oseo Digizu and Carlos Watkins and then Neville Gallimore will get most of what goes on in the middle. Quentin Bohanna will be the big guy who's played 10 games. He's only got 15 tackles, but he's 23. He went to Kentucky, and it's time for Quentin Bohanna to step up and be the additional guy. That's what has to happen. Bohanna now has to step up. There are no other options. When people get injured, coaches will tell you opportunities for other people. Quentin Bohanna has been underwhelming, and it is now an opportunity for him in the last four games of the regular season to help his team win three of four, four of four, have an opportunity to get a very high seed. The Cowboys will play on Sunday at Jacksonville at noon. I said two weeks ago, this was the trap game. That's what I thought. I thought the Cowboys would come out and smash Houston, get some players some rest. Everybody would be able to take it easy. Finally, we get a little bit of a laugher, and we can all relax. Instead, we got heart-pounding, oh no, what happens if we lose this damn game? And finally, a 27-23 victory that everyone's had to suck on all week. So now, this is no longer a trap game. It is a dangerous game. Uh, The Jaguars have only won four games. But they have a head coach in Doug Peterson who knows how to scheme and game plan, who will be ready, who won a Super Bowl, you remember, with Philadelphia. They have a red-hot quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who now is sitting at 20 touchdowns and six interceptions. I hadn't been paying that close of attention. He has a toe issue, so he has not practiced Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, We'll see what he does the rest of the week. But he has a toe issue. Apparently he had it before last week when he was fantastic, so maybe it's nothing. On the other hand, you plant both of your feet to throw the football. You step up on one, you plant on the other. I don't know which foot it is, but a toe issue is not nothing. And I will recommend that some of these 350 pound men go after his toes. The team also has a hot running back in Travis Etienne, who was drafted last year from Clemson, got hurt early and didn't play a lot. This is year number two. He's good. He's dynamic in running it. 
and in catching it. And Travis Etienne, combined with Trevor Lawrence, has been a, a very good, a dynamic type duo. This team is looking down the road for the future and saying, we're going to be pretty good. We may need another wide receiver. We need a few more things. We've only won four games, but we're a pretty good up and coming football team. And damn, wouldn't it be fun to F up the Dallas Cowboys? The hot wide receiver is not who you think. It's not Christian Kirk, who went to Texas A&M, who's been their number one most of the year. The hot wide receiver is a journeyman that you may or may not have heard of named Zay Jones, was in Oakland last year. And sometimes when you see Zay Jones on highlights, you're like, damn, pretty fast, pretty smooth, Look at running away from people. But from team to team to team, Zay Jones went uh, last year in Oakland, this year in Jacksonville. He's got about a six-game streak here where he has been really good. He's fast. Uh, he runs good routes, and he's getting something really going with Trevor Lawrence. So that'll be who you'll watch. And then last week, a name that you remember, Evan Ingram, tied in for a long time with the New York Giants that we all saw big talent in, constantly hurt in New York. They got so frustrated with him. Finally, Evan Ingram was not brought back at the end of his rookie contract. Signs in Jacksonville. And if you play fantasy football, you may have either won with or been beat by Evan Ingram last week, who scored roughly 40 fantasy points. So... This Jacksonville team feeling pretty good about itself. Hung a big number up last week. And Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram are a dangerous group. I think the defense will be ready. They were embarrassed about what they did and didn't do last week. It's going to be a big deal. Doug Peterson knows how to coach. And don't you think for a minute that Doug Peterson isn't looking for you know a check mark somewhere in this season. So one of them has been... Trevor Lawrence, who everybody thought was going to be the golden child, is starting to get there. Travis Etienne has gone through this season without getting hurt. Those are check marks. Uh, they're looking better and better. They certainly look like the team of the future. That's a check mark. But what would the biggest check mark at all be? The 10-3 and Dallas Cowboys come to Jacksonville in week number 15 and take an L. Doug Peterson is on this. So we do need to be worried about this game. There's no doubt about it. But I think they'll be ready. And the truth is the Cowboys have bounced back every time they had a loss this season. Mike McCarthy's great and bounce back game. Now, they didn't lose. It just feels like that to you and me. So the only real losses here are the two injuries. Hankins is a big deal at defensive tackle. Uh, Odigizu has been very good. What, what, what you don't realize is, is if I say to you, Odigizu and Watkins are the starters anyway, and they play most of the downs, well, what's the big deal about Hankins? These guys are so big, and they go against such massive offensive linemen, and it is such a, a war at the line of scrimmage that they only play 30, 32 plays in the most if they're on the field a lot. Well, there are roughly 60 to 75 offensive plays. So now you, oh, okay, so we need a lot of depth. It would really help to have five or six really effective defensive tackles. The other thing that has to happen that supports the tackles is the two defensive ends, and Micah Parsons, have to be where they're supposed to be. Tank Lawrence is generally flawless at staying and holding the edge. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong will have to be better. Micah, when he lines up out there, will have to be better. This will have to be more textbook in terms of stopping the run, that the defensive ends hold up their edges, do their jobs, everyone sits in the right spot, and the linebackers who are on the field at the time will fill. And that's how this has to go. But mistakes... Um, Running off on your own as a defensive tackle no longer will be good enough because you're essentially a man short at defensive tackle. There are four weeks left in the season, and I mentioned it before. I'm going to mention it again. This is the time. I'm, I'm tired of this phrase, but apparently I'm going to say it anyway. This is the time when teams get running downhill. Now, that phrase apparently is meant uh, running back busts through the line of scrimmage. 
and he's got he's got such speed certainly certainly like tony pollard that he is now running downhill he's running very fast towards a safety or someone else who better tackle him otherwise he's gone this team needs to start running downhill at jacksonville it's going to be a tough game if they win this game handily and really impress you it is a great start to the last four games of the season and then on Christmas Eve, we decided we we're eating turkey and dressing. That's very traditional. We, we thought about other things, but we're going turkey and dressing, and hopefully there will be lots of desserts. Now I'm dating a gluten-free woman, so okay, uh, I'll have gluten-free desserts. Mostly, if you haven't done it, they're chewier. I don't know. I guess I don't hate that. I mean, if I'm having dessert, why would I mind chewing it a few extra times? So at Jacksonville, then Philadelphia on Christmas Eve on 12-24. The hopefully coming off a good Jacksonville win, the war that we've all been waiting for. How tired of you are you of hearing about the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, you're hearing about them one because they've had a relatively easy schedule, two because their quarterback is now at the MVP race, and three because they've only lost one game and they have squashed some teams. So yes, their schedule was easy, but to be honest with you, so was the Cowboys. Schedules never turn out quite like you think, do they? The Kansas City Chiefs had the hardest schedule in the NFL when the season began. It is now ranked 24th because teams are not as good as you thought or as we thought they were going to be because nothing ever turns out in the NFL like you think it's going to. 10-3, and three, Jacksonville, Philly on Christmas Eve, and an opportunity if you win both of those games to still win the NFC East and to potentially grab a number one seed. Why not? Why, why would you be thinking about anything else? The last two games are at Tennessee – and at Washington. And normally I would have thought, well, Tennessee's winning their division, but they're sort of in a crumble mode. But don't forget, you got to tackle Derrick Henry. And if you don't, he'll hang two bills on you and you'll have a loss that you don't want to an AFC team. And then the last game of the year is at Washington. And again, two or three weeks in, the owner's on fire. Uh, nobody's happy. Nothing's going right. Their young running back got shot by three bullets and nothing's going to go well in Washington. And oh, by the way, they have to replace their quarterback. Yet, that head coach and that group has hung together, and right now Washington would still be in the playoffs along with your Dallas Cowboys. This, none of this is going to be easy, and the truth is you don't want it to be easy. You want it to be something you can come out of healthy, but you don't want it to be easy because back to the beginning of the show, momentum along with wins is what you want in these last four games. You do not want a day off in the last game of the year. I don't want that. I don't. You want to play these last four games, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Tennessee, and Washington. You want to win them all, and you want to stand up beating your chest saying, look at that defense. That defense is now ranked number two overall, number 10 against the run, number one against the pass. This defense is badass. And as you go into the playoffs, a badass defense, because look out of this eye, you can see it in San Francisco, a badass defense, because you can kind of see it in Philadelphia, is ultimately really important for what the Cowboys are going to do. So we think they're there. But in these last four games, this is where they begin to dominate. They finish the season with the most sacks, with the most quarterback hits, with the most quarterback pressures, which then in turn offers up opportunities for more turnovers, which this team and Diggs like to get. Those are the things you want. Give me all four of these games as good as these teams can play. And if you get victories out of all four of them, or even three or four, it, I, I know you don't like hearing it, but Philadelphia is probably winning this division. The Cowboys are probably going to finish second with 13 wins. 12 last year, 13 this year. That's 25 wins in the last two years. This is not, and I keep saying it, the same team over the last 26 years. McCarthy's not the same guy. He's not the redhead. Um, 
Dan Quinn is not the myriad of defensive coordinators that were unsuccessful in the last 15 years. He had a badass, and this defense plays hard for him, and all of these defensive players that stand on the sidelines get into the game. They love that. They are all involved. They are all making plays. They're all getting a chance to play, 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 and then do what? Win games and make money. They play hard for Dan Quinn. So here we sit, four games left. I'll do a lot more on Friday when we break down Jacksonville. I'll get you all the injury updates. Let's see what Jacksonville is doing. Let's see how Trevor Lawrence's toe is, et cetera, et cetera. Let's see how the Cowboys have looked in practice the rest of the week at defensive tackle. Um, I think maybe Tyron Smith, and I didn't even, sorry, I didn't even talk about this. I'll talk about it on Friday. I, I think maybe Tyron Smith actually plays on Friday. What happens to Tyler Smith? Quickly, he moves into left guard. And the truth is you're better at both positions. Thumbs up. What happens at right tackle? Well, we're going to find out. Right now, Jason Peters is 40 years old, did a damn good job filling in the other day, but he's 40 years old. He hasn't played a lot of plays, and I don't think anybody expects Jason Peters to be able to go 65 or 70 plays at offensive line at right tackle for the last four weeks of the season and into the playoffs. So there are things to be done. You know about Josh Ball, sort of drafted, not very well thought of by a lot of people who are doing metrics on what they've seen from Josh Ball or technique. Cowboys continue to say, we like him. He's getting better. He's still in our team. He's getting better. So we'll see who's telling the truth. But the truth is, when we think back to the offensive line at the beginning of the season, that we thought they were going to be shitty, and they've been really good. The zone blocking scheme has been better. They've come together. They're a cohesive unit, so they'll have to figure out what happens at right tackle. But I anticipate a whole bunch of run left because Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith and that center and that right guard will pull and will go that way a lot, and it will be a lot of fun to watch. This is Off of the Helmets. I'm Brady Tinker. Thank you for tuning in on this Wednesday. I'll get you ready on Friday for what actually is going to happen in Jacksonville. Who's in, who's out, what's happened that's good and bad in practice. But I'm telling you, this thing is looking better and better. Get over critiquing the Houston win. It was win number 10. Double-digit victories in back-to-back seasons for the Dallas Cowboys since the first time since 1995 and 96. So be happy about that. Be happy about the holidays. Go out and buy some nice presents for the one you love and rejoice in the fact that you have a 10-win team who has the second best record in the NFL and you're going to Jacksonville to win on Sunday. That's what I'm focusing on. I hope you do the same. Thank you so much for watching Off of the Helmets, courtesy of our friends at DSP Media and now part of FanStream. I'm Brady Tinker. Enjoy your Wednesday. I'll talk to you on Friday at the same time, 2 p.m., probably go live on Friday. So if you want questions and you want to punch, punch in on the live show on Friday, I'll take them. Happy to have you. Thanks very much for watching. I'll check in with you Friday.